0: Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the end of fall veto session, being the end of the state's Invest in Kids school choice scholarship program, and the status of the state's gun ban registry rules. I'll then join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm
1: Greg Bishop. Do you know what elected officials in Illinois are doing with your tax dollars? Do you want to make sure that your voice is heard? If so, then you need Blue Room Stream, a live and archived video streaming service that provides access to government meetings and events. With Blue Room Stream, you can watch how your elected officials make decisions, hold them accountable for their actions, and be a more informed citizen. Blue Room Stream is the perfect way to get involved in the democratic process and to make a difference in your community. Subscribe today at BlueRoomStream.com.
0: Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. With the end of fall veto session, Illinois' Invest in Kids School Choice Scholarship program benefiting around 9,600 students will come to a close. Despite families for months lobbying to extend the privately funded program beyond the December 31st sunset, legislators didn't advance any such measure before adjourning Thursday. Republicans were critical of Democrats they say caved to the teachers' unions who opposed the program. But before adjourning, Democratic State Representative Kevin Alakol said that he'll continue to fight.
1: There's no guarantee that they'll be able to stay at the school that they may have grown to love and build community within. and may be thrown into a harmful transition.
0: After the House adjourned, solidifying the program wouldn't be extended. House Minority Leader Tony McCombie said they'll come back next year to work at reauthorizing the program.
1: I think there is some things that we could do to make it a better program, a more effective program um, that could serve more students as well.
0: In other education action, the legislature advanced maps for elected Chicago public school districts after the House and Senate agreed on ethics provisions for a new elected school board. Legislators return January 16th. Whether the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules will bring a motion to suspend gun ban registry emergency rules for the Illinois State Police before the January 1st deadline to register is still up in the air. After Tuesday's JCAR hearing, Republican State Representative Ryan Spain said suspending the rules in their December meeting is an option. I think. As I said, we have to assume that the law is constitutional until a court tells us it's not. Democratic state senator Bill Cunningham wouldn't speculate if J. Carr would suspend the rules despite mounting questions and pending lawsuits, including possible review by the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, I um, called for a vote to issue a formal objection, uh, which. Was resulted in a tie during our October meeting. After week five of the registry being open, of more than 2.4 million firearm owner's ID card holders, just .12%, or around 2,900 individuals, have disclosed a band item. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, the production of America's Talking
1: Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Do you want a front row seat to how Illinois government really works? Do you want to see how laws are made in real time? If so, you need Blue Room Stream, a live and archived video streaming service that provides access to government meetings and events. With Blue Room Stream, you can watch how your elected officials make decisions so you can make informed decisions about your community and your future. Subscribe today at BlueRoomStream.com. Blue Room Stream, government transparency at your fingertips. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in
2: Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, Vice President of News and Content at the Franklin News Foundation, publisher of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me again today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois Capital Bureau reporter and editor. How are you today, Greg?
0: Uh, Dan, I'm uh, down in the catacombs of the Illinois State Capitol. Uh, We have office space down here whenever they're in session and just hanging out, uh, monitoring everything that's going on here.
2: Uh, Well, we'll get into that shortly, Greg. We are recording this on Thursday mid-afternoon, November 9th. And as we are recording, Greg, the state legislature is in the waning moments of its final legislative day of the year, also known as veto session. Greg, heading into today, there were uh, several unresolved issues in the General Assembly that were either going to get resolved today or they were not going to get resolved today. Uh, Among them is the Invest in Kids School Choice choice Scholarship Program, which allows private donors to donate money to a scholarship fund that is then given to lower-income families to send their children to a private school of their choice. Invest in Kids is set to expire December 31st, unless the legislature acts. Greg, is the legislature acting on this?
0: Considering that as we're recording this Thursday afternoon and the House adjourned for the year before we hit record here, literally half an hour or so before, They adjourned, and no bill was brought forward. The Senate's still in session, but even if they were to bring something forward, the House is not here to field that bill. So the Investing Kids School Choice Scholarship Program is going to sunset on December 31st.
2: What does that mean? It's like more than 10,000 kids are going to the school of their choice, the private school of their choice, this school year. Of course, the school calendar year, begins in late August, early September, depending on your school district, and goes until late May, early June. So what, what are what's going to happen to these kids that are going to these pri- these private schools on the Invest in Kids program now that it's going to expire
0: mid-school year? Yeah, and I think um, yeah, 9,600 kids, but Dan, there are uh, 10,000 plus, if not more, in families that are on waiting lists to try to tap into that privately funded school choice scholarship program that's been around for about five years now. And uh, tens of thousands of families have benefited from it. These are families of lesser means that have been able to uh, get in line and get qualified for the scholarship program. Uh, There's a lot of unanswered questions uh, for some of the kids. Now, while uh, some have said that uh, you are going to see the the scholarship money uh, given out before December 31st, And that could carry some of the kids through the entirety of this current school year. But say there's a student that's in third grade and they're looking to go to the fourth grade in the same school of their choice for the next school year. They are not going to be able to access those funds through the invested kids school choice scholarship program, meaning that the program is going to end. It's going to sunset. But there is possibly some action that could be taken when legislators return on January 16th. And we'll see what happens. But Republicans all week and uh, the the previous veto session week, uh, they've been demanding that some bill be called uh, while they wanted to see the program made permanent and even expanded. Uh, some of the the various particulars about this program, it's a hundred million dollar cap uh, and you've got a Illinois income tax credits that could be given to those donors who donate. Uh, They they had a max of a million dollars they could have donated, uh, and a lot of money went into that program, but it didn't even reach that cap. Uh, but there were proposals to extend it for five years to maybe have a tiered structure for the donations, maybe uh, tier down some of the tax credits that are available. And again, this, these are private dollars. These are not tax dollars going into this program for the school choice Invest in kids program. So when you've got the questions of whether or not a third grader, a fourth grader, a fifth grader, a kid who just went into high school, whether or not they're going to be able to access those funds for the 2024-25 school year, uh, that is at this point not going to happen because the Invest in Kids School Choice Scholarship Program is going to sunset. Uh now, whether or not they can get the political consensus to bring this up and reinstate the program, uh, when they return, uh, in mid-January or throughout the spring session, we'll see. But uh, obviously, Republicans have been have been clamoring to to have the the bill extended, if not made permanent. You had f- scores of families that we've seen here on the grounds of the Capitol, wearing their blue shirts, chanting "Save our scholarship!" Speaker, call the bill uh, that they 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 want this scholarship. They say that they have benefited greatly from it. They've gotten a quality education. Some of the stories we've heard were children who may have uh, been diagnosed on the autism spectrum, getting bullied at their public school and not wanting to even go to school, uh, finding relief going to a private school that had more programs that were capable of getting them the education they needed. You have uh, stories of kids in urban settings that their public schools were failing them and their families couldn't afford to take them to a private school, but they were able to el- be eligible for the in Kids School Choice Scholarship programs, so they got those scholarships, and they went and are excelling. Uh, these are countless stories that we've heard across the political spectrum, across the state, and a lot of concern now as to what their future is going to be in a state like Illinois, where the public school systems don't have the greatest record when it comes to adequacy targets for English, for math, for science. Uh, you've got uh, you know higher costs per students for the public schools. Uh, and, uh, you know, while graduation rates may be increasing, you're seeing a delinquency rates uh, continuing to be a high threshold. Uh, and you're seeing adequacy targets not being met uh, in the public system. But with the Public Teachers Union putting the pressure on Democrats in particular to end this program, they claim that it was uh, not being properly tracked and whether or not children were excelling in school. They say that the stats weren't even available to assess whether or not the program was working well. Uh, so that was one criticism. Another criticism they said was it t- diverts mo- public money away from public schools. Uh, but uh, the supporters of that pushed back and said that's not the case. These are private dollars. And obviously, the, uh, the, the, the rates of satisfaction with the families that have been showing up here at the Capitol for the past six veto session days has been immense. And they've uh, been pushing for this program to be extended. But now they're going to be uh, having to find other options to try to get their children educated in a school of their choice.
2: You know, we uh, we do our best to keep our own personal opinions out of Illinois and focus. But this I got to say, this does break my heart, just knowing that these disadvantaged children from lower income homes face an uncertain future, might be forced to go back, likely will be forced to go back to their uh, local public school that in many cases are, is failing them. They chose this program because their local school was not working for them. But now they're going to have uh, to go back. So we'll see what happens uh, with this particular program. Well,
0: and Dan, and one thing to note too is um, a lot of the the stories that popped up later on in this conversation, including the Chicago Teachers Union president sending their child to a private school, and because you know, because leaders, she can
2: afford to. Let me just interrupt interrupt there because she is of means. She makes a more than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars annually, so she has the means where these other families who are taking advantage of investing kids don't have the means. I'm sorry, Greg, go
0: ahead. Well, and that's exactly the point is um, there's a lot of uh, leaders in in elected office who send their children to private schools because they have the means to do so. This program brought about some level of parity to where families of lesser means were able to send their children to a school of their choice, but now they no longer have that option.
2: And just to close on this particular topic of veto session, just want to repeat what you said. Teachers unions in Chicago, Chicago teachers union unions across the state were vehemently opposed to this. And of course, they do have influence both through their political donations and their phone calls, et cetera, over lawmakers. But what else, Greg? That's not the only issue uh, remaining on the last day of legislative session this year. You had the moratorium on uh, new nuclear plants in the state. What's going on there?
0: Yeah, so this was a bill that the governor actually vetoed over the summer, and it was a bipartisan bill to essentially remove the portion in state law that put a moratorium on new nuclear facilities being built. And uh, while the bipartisan legislation passed in the spring, the governor vetoed it in the summer. He said that uh, he wanted more of a focus on ensuring that it was only going to be for small modular reactors. Now, this is still a a tested technology that's not mainstream quite yet, but uh, the sponsors of the bill, uh, they wanted to make sure that Illinois was out in front of this. For those who didn't know, Illinois has six large nuclear plants as is right now. I think we're one of the states with the most nuclear facilities for energy production. But with the uh, the policies that Governor Pritzker has put forth to you know, bring about uh, uh, fewer coal-fired power plants by 2040 and 2045 and bringing about more wind and solar to be more green, as the Democrats say with their initiatives, There was concern and still is concern about energy reliability, especially for the two different energy grids that Illinois has. Uh, and even in the past few years, we've seen at least the uh, MISO grid for uh, the southern part of the state talk about the possibility of brownouts. Uh, and with the uh, trajectory of ending coal fired power plants by state policy by 2040 or 2045, there's significant concerns. So um, the sponsor of the bill, instead of trying to override the governor's veto, uh, came back with new legislation and they advanced that out of the Senate. And today, on Thursday, they advanced it out of the House. So that new measure, that the sponsors say fits with what the governor's looking for, that is going to be sent to the governor's desk. Now, State Senator Sue Rezin, holding a news conference after the House passed her bill, uh, she talked about the importance of getting this set up, because even trying to get a small nuclear uh, modular, modular uh, nuclear reactor for energy, which are you know, smaller footprints and don't necessarily require the, the large amount of uh, high-capacity lines to transmit it to various places, uh, this will be a seven-year process or so to actually get the permits from the federal nuclear agency uh, when it comes to oversight and uh, fitting all the regulations. So getting this across the finish line and signed by the governor, they said, is going to be in absolutely integral to ensuring that the grid reliability is there, especially if they do take coal-fired power plants more and more offline. So that was uh, one veto uh, that they ended up actually uh, addressing during fall veto session. Uh, So we'll see how the governor reacts to that bill once it does get on his desk.
2: One uh, other issue we've been following, you've been following, is uh, earlier this year, January of this year, the state legislature later, later passed and Governor Pritzker enacted a ban on more than 170 types of uh, semi-automatic weapons in the state. The ban went further than that. Of course, there were challenges um, in both state and federal courts. Uh, one judge issued an injunction preventing the state from enforcing um, the sales of those banned preventing the state from enforcing the, the, the sale of the banned weapons. There was, what, like a five- or a six-day window where individual Illinois residents could go and buy those now-banned weapons. The the injunction was lifted, and state police now say that the weapons you, uh, you bought if you bought those weapons during the five day window, you still face penalties. You cannot register them with the state. The registry is part of the st- uh, the state law now. And uh, Republicans were hoping to get a home harmless, hold harmless, excuse me, provision passed during veto session. So those who, those individuals who, who bought these now banned weapons during that period would not be penalized for it. Did that get through?
0: That did not. Uh, that was a measure from State Senator Jason Plummer. Uh, he had uh, brought this forward shortly after the stay was issued on that preliminary injunction from the Southern District and uh, talked with him yesterday and just tried to get an update on if Democrats were going to be able to, to get on board with this. And he said that they weren't. And with the House now out, uh, obviously, that is a measure that is not going to take effect uh, or even be you know, sent to the governor's desk for consideration. So, come January 1st, those who have firearms that they purchased during that injunction window, or those who had firearms when they purchased them from a temporary restraining order in state court, because those were in place for months, impacting thousands of people, those firearms were purchased after January 10th's enactment date of the gun ban, and state police say that they cannot be registered. So, those individuals are going to be facing potential criminal charges if they're found out of compliance. Clients with a banned firearm, uh, even though they were just following a court order, who said that uh, the law was enjoined from being enforced during that time window. Uh, so, uh, one one quote that uh, Senator Plummer said is, "Only in Illinois can you be a felon for exercising your constitutional rights," uh, and that's uh, a sentiment that uh, we're hearing a lot from uh, Republicans on this issue. Uh, when it comes to uh, all of the ongoing questions and concerns about um, a gun registry, uh, so clearly that was a measure that just did not advance at all. We had no committee hearings about that bill. So Senator Plummer um, uh, uh, resigning himself to seeing that this is not uh, something that's going to be viable, uh, and obviously a lot of gun owners looking at that January 1st deadline, wondering what exactly they're going to do, and I know that um, Or we're going to talk about the the gun ban registry hearings that have happened, but there are just stacking questions on top of each other uh, as to how exactly this is going to be enforced, what needs to be registered, what state police or law enforcement are going to do for those who don't register. As we've been tracking each week, the registration totals uh, have not really been uh, coming in into the uh, amount that you would think For how many firearm owners ID card holders there are in the state? Uh, Yeah,
2: I was just saying before you go further into that because we we only have a few minutes left. But and I do want to talk about that. But let me just go back to veto session. Any any other outstanding issues briefly that you want to discuss about uh, today's final day of legislature legislative session of the year.
0: Yeah, they um. Of course, uh, one measure passed the Senate, and it was a, a bill that the governor vetoed about religious consideration for school lunches and what kinds of lunches would be served in uh, hospitals. Um, be it, uh, you know, for for those of the Jewish or for the Muslim faith. Uh, that measure, they they brought one forward. They said uh, complied with what the governor did with his mandatory veto, uh, and uh, it passed the Senate. But that was not brought up in the House from my uh, initial indication here as the House is wrapped up. Uh, another measure that came out of the House that I'm not sure if the Senate's going to take up quite yet is a bill that allows for state House staffers to unionize. Uh, so that could be something brought up in early January. Uh, you have uh, several other measures that have passed, including um, the Chicago Police Union uh, getting a measure through to change their cost of living allocation to, to ensure that uh, you know the date of birth is not impacting somebody's pension for Chicago police that also uh, was approved another Chicago centric measure that really gets into the weeds deals with uh, the elected school board that's going to be happening soon but they had to get the maps in place so we had uh, on Wednesday the house pass a measure they said was you know had everybody on board uh, but then the Senate said that it did didn't have the ethics provisions that they sought. So the House, again, on Thursday passed their measure. The Senate's still in session. It's possible they could bring that up before they adjourn today. Uh, but those are just a, a collection of uh, a few of the other items that came up uh, throughout uh, legislative session here.
2: So, want to get into this gun registry as part of the bill that was passed and signed by Governor Pritzker in January that, ben- that bans more than 170 semi-automatic weapons and other things, accessories, etc. Those who pre-owned Those weapons, before the law went into effect in January, are now required to register them with the state. There's all kinds of confusion about this registry, questions from gun owners, legal gun owners, I might add. Um, um, Greg, the state police were, uh, required or asked to hire or to hold a series of public hearings. There were three of them from the north part of the state to the central part of the state to the south part of the state. You covered all three of them. The last one, uh, was earlier this week.
0: Just tell us what you heard and what's next. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, again, the questions, uh, <laughs> What needs to be registered is a pistol grip for an airsoft gun and assault weapon attachments. Uh, What about magazines that uh, could take uh, 30 uh, AR 15 rounds, but would only take 10 rounds of a different caliber magazines that an extended magazine. Uh, What if people uh, don't register? Uh, How are they going to be enforced? Uh, These are all different types of questions that uh, uh, Illinoisans brought to Illinois state police during these hearings. The first one in Springfield Uh, Very small committee room, um, uh, almost full, uh, but uh, people were frustrated that they were given a deadline to register to speak in person, and that deadline was uh, quick upon the first hearing. Uh, So a lot of people felt that they didn't get a chance to actually register their public comments to be able to speak publicly. The second hearing was in Chicago, wasn't very well turned out, but the third hearing was down in Caseyville in the Metro East St. Louis area. There were about 150 gun owners down there asking questions. What was frustrating for a lot of them in the Caseyville hearing in a large venue, um, it was uh, the Caseyville Community Center. There was no public address system, so the questions couldn't be heard and the answers from state police couldn't be heard, uh, especially for those in the back of the room. So clearly, uh, still a lot of questions left to be answered. Illinois State Police say that they're going to bring forward the answers uh, before the next Joint Committee on Administrative Rules hearing, which is in December. J. Carr could possibly suspend the rules, delaying that January 1st deadline, but no indication that's going to happen in December. But all of this, Dan, still being litigated uh, this week. After last week on Friday, the Seventh Circuit's Court of Appeals three-judge panel, but now uh, one of the attorneys in that case has motioned for an en banc review, meaning they're looking for them to review this case instead of a three-judge panel.
2: Well, thank you, uh, Greg. Listeners can keep up with all of Greg's reporting at thecentersquare.com, but we are out of time. For Greg Bishop, I'm Dan McCaleb. Please subscribe. Thank you for listening.